Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Hey, thanks for coming today. Um, Lane Schranz and I became friends about 19 years ago. In 2000, I moved to Colorado Springs. And a year later, he moved to Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, he went with Chris Hodges to go plant a church. And they started in a school and they had a dream that it might work. And uh, now it's 50,000 people, so I think it's working. But um, uh, he oversees uh, all of their campuses. He also um, helps churches all over the world. uh, with a network called Grow. And so uh, he is a phenomenal leader, but in addition to being a phenomenal leader, he's an amazing friend to me. And so um, he's consistently someone that I call and ask for advice, as well as I would say he's not just a friend, he's a cheerleader. Um, I've got a lot of stories of these, like these moments when we were starting the church where I was a little bit uh, timid, and he would, he would just be like, be bold, big faith, go for it, pray big prayers, you could do and take these big risks, and I'm just forever grateful. And so uh, Renata and I um, just deeply love uh, Lane and Rachel and their kids and um, their two daughters. We've been friends for a super long time. I love him dearly. So he means a lot to me. He's one of the overseers of our church, which we have four. Um, and so uh, if you wouldn't... If you wouldn't mind, would you stand to your feet and give a huge welcome to Pastor Lane Trans? Love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give a bigger welcome to Jesus today, please. Yeah. Come on. Fist bump somebody, say, you look good today. This is a good looking church, beautiful day. It's awesome to be here. What an honor for me. Uh, David and Renata have been great friends of Rachel and I for 19 years, and it's just, it's just fun to have friends for that long, and uh, it's fun to uh, cheer you all on from a distance. Uh, I do remember even years before uh, you guys planted this church, I believe that they would be church planters, they would be great church planters, uh, didn't know when or where that would happen, and so it is such a huge honor for me to be here, actually speaking for the second time, it was two years ago, it was my last visit. God is doing great things through you and in you, and I'm afraid sometimes that when you're a part of something, you can't really truly appreciate something, and I have the privilege, half of my job is outside of our church of, uh, of, of uh, going out, as he said, training pastors, so I get to visit a lot of churches, about 15 a year, and uh, what God is doing here is unique, it's special, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Uh, so please, if Radiant is your home, uh, please don't take it for granted. Know that you're a part of a miracle, uh, that God is using you uh, to touch this city, uh, but he's also using you way beyond uh, this city through the ark. Uh, when we started Church of the Highlands, uh, a, a, an experiment, if you will, uh, was, uh, was successful, and then we started planting other churches, and so you are the 600th church plant of the ark. Uh, What a great number that was, you know, two and a half years ago. 
Um, but here's what's cool. Since you started two and a half years ago now, and maybe you don't even know this, uh, through your generosity, a portion of what you give every week goes back to the ark to plant new churches. So since, and you're just two and a half years, you've already planted over 200 new churches uh, through the ark. This fall, hopefully another 50 will be planted because of your generosity. So way to go, Radiant Church. Give yourselves a hand. I mean... What you're a part of is so much bigger than the part you play. Like, like you, you don't even realize it, that, that when you give, that it's going around the nation. It's touching cities. It's changing lives. Marriages are being restored. Lives are being saved because of what you're doing here. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. It's fun to be an outsider looking in. You've had a tremendous impact. Your pastors have had a tremendous impact even on Church of the Highlands. Uh, I was our first youth pastor as we started our church 18 years ago. And of course, uh, Pastor David and Renata were youth pastors at my home church in Colorado. And so we stayed in close relationship. And as our youth ministry grew, their youth ministry was growing. And they had started this little conference called Desperation that exploded and had a major impact across the country. And as our youth ministry was growing, we uh, uh, had a little conversation that turned out to be something pretty big, and we asked David and Ron Ada to bring that conference to Birmingham, all the way from Colorado Springs, and uh, we started uh, our first youth conference with their leadership, with their influence, with, with their years of experience, and I'm just thrilled to share with you that what your pastors imparted into Church of the Highlands more than 10 years ago has now turned into the largest student conference in America. It's called Ocean Student Conference. We had 16,000 students there last summer. And it's thanks to you guys and your investment. And of course, all glory goes to God, but thank you for your leadership. Don't you love and honor your pastors, everybody? Aren't they amazing? Um, they were changing the world far, far before they ever uh, were called to come here. And this is just beautiful to see what God's doing here uh, through you guys here at Radiant. And the best is yet to come. It's just going to get better and better uh, as God continues to use you to touch this city and beyond. And so it's exciting to watch from a distance. I'm honored to be here. Uh, it, is, it is Palm Sunday as we go into what is called the Passion Week. We're thinking a lot about Jesus and, and focus on Jesus this week, and uh, I want to share the scriptures with you. Before I do that, I did want to introduce you to my family that David mentioned, so I have a picture of my, my ladies in my life, uh, my wife, Rachel. I love this picture because she looks just like a sister, right? Like, I, like which one is actually my wife? You can't tell because you don't know because uh, she looks so young. So my wife of 22, almost 23 years, next month will be 23 years, Rachel is on the left. My youngest daughter, Devin, uh, is in the middle there. She is a freshman in Highlands College, which you have several graduates of Highlands College on your staff here or serving in the, in the church. I see Allie and Dylan here. Uh, they're from Highlands College. Others are serving in other areas. You saw Tori in the news, uh, Josh Hubbard. I mean, they're just everywhere. And so we love the fact that we've been able to invest some of our Highlands College graduates uh, into, your, uh, into your church. And then I actually brought five with me. And so these four right here are four of the five Highlands College students that that drove here. I think it took them longer than it should have, like 13 or 14 hours. They were taking pictures everywhere, selfies at every state sign between Alabama and here. And then, uh, and then Kerrigan is missing. She must be serving. So Bri Brianna was serving in kids last service. Kerrigan is serving in kids this service. And we're from Alabama. And so we're just family right here. So would you give it up for Highlands College and, and those students? Um, 
Jordan's already talking about staying, but you have to let him graduate first. Like, uh, and so uh, we're, we're just thrilled to be here. I didn't introduce Ashlyn uh, yet because uh, my oldest daughter on the right, she is 19 years old, but we had the incredible really the greatest miracle of our married life for Rachel and I, we were able to adopt her when she was six hours old in Independence, Kansas. I have a Kansas baby girl. Like, like, like she is the greatest gift of our lives. Uh, we walked into that little hospital, into that room. It was packed full of grandparents on both sides, aunts and uncles from both sides. This young teenage couple that, that knew they couldn't take care of this child, and they gave us the greatest gift we could ever receive. And Ashlyn is that gift to our family through the miracle of adoption. And so Kansas has a very special place in my heart, um, even beyond my disdain for the Chiefs. Okay, so we'll... <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll let that go. We'll focus on Ashland, not on the Denver Broncos, all right? So anyways, um, there's a difference between knowing about something and encountering it. There's a difference between knowing about adoption and walking into a hospital room and having a newborn baby handed to you. There's a big difference. And a lot of us know about the cross, as we focus on Jesus this week and the crucifixion and the resurrection and Palm Sunday and all that, we have an awareness of it, but have we really encountered it? Sometimes some of us are actually jealous of others that we think maybe have encountered the cross in a way that we haven't. I can remember being a high school student, frustrated that I, I actually loved God, but I hated going to church. Church was not like this for me. Church was painful for me. I, I don't know if the church leadership, it was a strategy, but it seemed as though the, the more painful the service was, the holy we were. Holier we were. <laughs> like, like if, if it was miserable, we must be closer to God. And I had a friend that kept inviting me to his youth group, and I was nervous about it because there was instruments I'd never seen in church. There were, I had heard that people danced in church, like I saw people on the stage dancing a little bit, and that freaked me out. But I was jealous because my friend Corey had something that I, I did not have. He had experienced and encountered Jesus in a way I had not, and it frustrated me. So I finally said yes and went to his youth group, which turned out to be the same youth group that uh, Pastor David ended up leading several years later. And the youth pastor back then is now my senior pastor, Chris Hodges. And so uh, it, it was, it was a, a transformative time in my life to actually encounter Jesus in a way that, that was personal and real. And I'd love to share with you 1 Corinthians 1.18. If there's any verse that would just kind of set this up and close this off today would be this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is so critical to our faith. It is so powerful for us to understand, but even more importantly, for us to encounter. There's so many things in life that you have to experience firsthand, right? I was born and raised in Colorado Springs, right there at the foothills of Pikes Peak. It's known as America's Mountain. From the summit of Pikes Peak, Catherine Lee Bates penned America the Beautiful. I could show you pictures. You could sing the song. We could look at videos, but it is not the same as you standing on the summit at 14,115 feet feeling the freezing cold air, even in July or August, maybe experiencing lightning on the top of the mountain that makes your, hand, your hair stand up, not being able to breathe because there is literally no oxygen up there. 
It's completely different to look at the amber waves of grain from the summit of Pike's Peak and to look to the west in the continental divide, the purple mountain majesty. It is completely different when you encounter it personally, like when you're actually there. You can see a gorgeous sunrise, a beautiful sunrise over the ocean, which can only be seen on the east coast, or a beautiful sunset over the ocean that can only be seen on the west coast. It's different when you are actually there in person encountering it. If you're ever truly going to experience the edible, amazing, I call it heaven in your mouth, Krispy Kreme donut, you have to be there. It has to be hot. Otherwise, it's a below average Dunkin' Donut. If you get if you get a donut, a Krispy Kreme donut from a gas station, it's terrible. If someone buys it at Krispy Kreme and drives it to your house, if it has cooled off, it is nothing like a hot donut now. After it has run through the waterfall of heaven, of icing poured over it in the hot grease as they hand it to you over the counter or through the drive-thru, if it is still hot after it's been freshly made, oh, there's nothing like it. I think I should go there for lunch today. Can we go there for lunch today? Let's go to Krispy Kreme. Anyways, there's so many things that we have to actually encounter, and I would submit to you that you've got to encounter the cross for yourself. It can't be your parents' encounter, your best friend's encounter, your spouse's encounter, got to be your encounter so that you can truly experience all that God has for you and all that Jesus did for you a few thousand years ago. I want to look at three encounters at the cross, three people very close to Jesus, physically close to Jesus when he went to the cross. Now, they didn't know him before that. I'm not going to talk to you about the disciples. I'm going to talk to you about people that were never around Jesus, but yet because of the cross, they encountered Jesus. They encountered the power of God. And God moved in an amazing way in two of the three. I call them the first encounters. And the first one that I'll talk about is actually of the three, he was probably the worst of the guys. There's three men that were actually assigned to die on three crosses that Friday. Jesus was not one of them. These criminals had been tried, they'd been convicted. A couple of them were rebels, they were uh, political figures, they had stirred up some unrest, and they were uh, going to be crucified. And then there was a murderer, his name was Barabbas, he was going to be crucified that day. But that's when Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus was illegally tried through the night, nothing uh, was legal, nothing was appropriate, all the process was wrong, but it went through anyways to the point where the man in charge was going to release a prisoner and he wanted to release Jesus because he couldn't find that Jesus had done anything wrong. But the people whom Jesus loved, the people who were waving the palm branches, as we celebrate today on Palm Sunday, those same people had a different opinion about what should happen to Jesus just a few days later. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 23, verse 23. But the mob shouted louder and louder. <laughs> These are the same people that were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, waving their palm branches as Jesus rode in on that donkey, demanding that Jesus, the same one they were celebrating a few days earlier, be crucified. 
and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over them to do as they wish. I can only imagine what Barabbas is thinking. Like he got up that, smor- that morning in his prison cell knowing he's going to go to the cross. And what historians, what historians tell us is that you could spend as many as three days on the cross. It was a miserable death, a slow death, a long death. Barabbas is expecting that. And then some guy named Jesus gets illegally tried. And then all of a sudden, Barabbas is set free. Set free. I believe Barabbas is truly the first encounter of the power of the cross of what Jesus did. He was a murderer, a prisoner, sentenced to die, and Jesus took his cross. And that's us. We're all sinners. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I don't think there are any murderers in in this house. I hope not. But we've all sinned, and yet Jesus is willing to take our place. I've heard it said this way, that hell is not a place that God sends people. Hell is a place where people hang on their own cross, pay for their own sins. They choose to hold on to that and stay in control. Barabbas didn't ask to be free Barabbas didn't earn his freedom. Barabbas didn't, he didn't deserve his freedom, but yet Jesus stepped in and he was released. That's what Jesus does for every one of us. We can't earn it, can't buy it, can't can't do anything to get it other than receive it. That's what Jesus did for Barabbas. That's what he does for us. If you're looking for freedom, go to the cross and receive freedom. Freedom from your past, freedom from your sin, freedom from your shame, freedom from pain. The second encounter at the cross is another man that I call the scoffer. And I can identify with this. He's a skeptic. He's not too sure what he believes. He definitely doesn't believe that Jesus is who Jesus is saying that he is. And I think even I admit to you as a pastor, there are times in my life where I doubt. In 18 years at Church of the Highlands, I've seen some incredible tragedy, some deep pain, things that families have gone through that I, I just can't imagine what they're dealing with. And then I, I, I can become skeptical. God, does, does this really have to happen? Why? And we all end up in that place where we might have our doubts. And the scoffer definitely had his doubts. And so he's a criminal, but not a murderer, but he is also sentenced to die that day. And we Now pick up the story where they're hanging. He's hanging on a cross next to Jesus hanging on a cross and the other criminal hanging on the cross as well. We pick this up in verse 39 of Luke 23. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. You hear the cynicism, the doubt. He doesn't believe Jesus is any better than he is. He doesn't believe he's the son of God and he's basically mocking him, scoffing at him. And I wonder how many times we end up in that place. Or maybe you're here today. Maybe it's your first time uh, at church. I did meet a gentleman after the last service. He'd never been here before. It was his first time. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you've heard about this church. What church meets in a school? How does that work? Like, 
you can actually worship God in a cafetorium? Like, is that even real? Like, is that even a real word? Is that in the dictionary? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm skeptical of all this. What is a church plant? Like, I thought, I thought most churches started 200 years ago when our country started. Like, this doesn't make sense. And, and so maybe you're a skeptic of maybe the church here, or maybe you're a skeptic of Jesus in general. Maybe you're a skeptic of God, and you're questioning. It's okay. It's okay. Even one of Jesus' disciples was a skeptic. It's normal for us to doubt and wonder. The scoffer encountered faith at the cross. It was a crossroads of faith for him. And I would submit to you that he chose the, the wrong road. He chose not to believe. He chose to stay a skeptic. He chose to continue to doubt and not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And I would tell you today that you have to, you have to decide who Jesus is to you. Like, what does he mean to you? Who is he really? You must decide what the cross means to you. And I would say this, you cannot be neutral. We can't just be like, yeah, what, whatever. He, he was either God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, the creator of the universe, or he was a lunatic. There's no in-between. But even one of the guys closest to Jesus, a disciple that spent three years with him, doubted. Thomas said, I, I don't believe he's risen from the dead until I can put my finger in his hand and put my, my, my hand in his wound, in his side. But Jesus says this, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So even somebody close to him had their doubts. It's okay for us to have our doubts. But, but literally your birthday was set on this event. Today, April 14th, 2019 AD, after death, our very calendar, the global calendar that the entire world <laughs> looks to was set off of this event. So who was he? And who is he to you? Are you a scoffer? Are you a skeptic? Are you a doubting Thomas? I can remember when I began to doubt Santa. I think I was about six years old and I was starting to do the math and I couldn't figure out how one dude could go down so many chimneys in one night. It messed with me. We were at my grandparents' house on Christmas Eve doing our normal Christmas holiday thing, gifts and eggnog and laughing and all of that and all of a sudden, boom, 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 on the roof, I froze. Like I had already decided in my six-year-old brain that Santa doesn't exist. And then I heard bells. <gasps> oh, Lord. And then on top of the roof, like through the roof, like it, it was muffled, but I heard ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and I ran out of the living room and hid in the, in the bathroom. I was freaked out. I did not want to see Santa come down that chimney. I became a believer again. <laughs> Everything changed again. Because of an encounter. Thank you, Uncle Gary. <laughs> so if you're looking for faith, go to the cross and believe. It's not always easy. Stuff around us happens. Things go wrong. And sometimes doubts creep in. But still, then we go back to the cross 
Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about the cross. I know you're real, and I believe. The murderer needed to receive. The scoffer needed to believe, yet he didn't. The third encounter is who I call the, the worshiper. He was a criminal just like the scoffer, but he actually believed that Jesus was who he said he was. We pick this up in verse 40. But the other criminal protested at the scoffer, basically. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. The criminals, those two men were physically in the same place, just as close to Jesus as the other. One was a scoffer and one was a believer. The end result was different for each in their eternity. The worshiper encountered forgiveness at the cross. In the last moments of his life as he was dying there, being crucified, Jesus forgave him of his sins and said, you'll be with me in heaven. It's beautiful, it's amazing. Ephesians 2, eight through nine says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. See, that criminal had faith. He did not have a perfect life. His actions didn't get him into heaven. His faith got him into heaven. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. How powerful for that man. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is something we can all do. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus forgave the thief on the cross next to him. Jesus will forgive you. No matter what you've done, no matter what secrets you hold, he will forgive you. That's what Jesus did for every single one of us. It's what he did for me. It's what he did for you. And when you are truly forgiven, when you truly experience forgiveness, the automatic result is worship. See, when I got invited to that youth group, I freaked out a little bit during the first song. Like maybe some of you have when you came here to Radiant. Oh boy, those people are a little crazy. There's a lot of energy up there. Yeah, but what that is, that's not a show. That's a result of forgiveness. That's a like, show me your glory, God. That's a, that's a like, thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for forgiveness. I, I was a sinner who has been forgiven. I know where I was. I know what I did. And I am thankful. I, can't, I cannot not worship because I am so grateful for what he did on the cross. I'm so thankful for my forgiveness. My natural response is going to be to worship. And worship has nothing to do with your music ability or your vocal talent. Because if it did, I'm going to be in the back. Like, I actually, I'm always on the front row, not because uh, any other reason that if you heard me sing, you would leave the church, okay? Like, I, I don't have any musical ability or vocal talent. Worship has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the condition of your heart. It's a position of your soul to be grateful for what Jesus did on the cross and worship him. If you're looking for forgiveness, go to the cross and worship. 
Like that's what Jesus did for us. Next weekend is an amazing opportunity for all of us to help people find the cross, to help people find the resurrected king, to help people find Jesus. I'm gonna remember yesterday for a long time. It was a special day. I, I, I flew in yesterday morning and then just drove around with Pastor David and it was really cool. As an overseer, I provide spiritual oversight just to help pray for David and Renata and the family and, and just kind of just be a spiritual covering along with the other three pastors that are overseers here. But yesterday was extra cool because we just drove around and dreamt. We looked at some properties, land that's available. Maybe there's a for sale sign on an open field. And oh, I wonder if that's the permanent home of, of Radiant Church. And, and then we drove around and we looked at, at several large buildings that are vacant now business leaders at some point thought that they would put a business there and they'd make a lot of money there and now nothing is happening there maybe that's where God wants Radiant Church to redeem what should have been a profit center for a soul center and what does that look like for this church so as we drove around and we even walked up and looked in a few empty buildings and looked through the the dirty windows and just thought okay is this it Jesus what is it as as your pastor leads you and and dreams and and prepares and as you invest and as you give we just don't know where God is going to lead us someday Radiant Church will have a permanent home Radiant Church will probably have multiple locations what's amazing about our God is that the church actually isn't a building the church is the people which is why God shows up here in a cafetorium because he's not about a building he's about his people the church is his people wherever wherever they are he shows up now it is important to have a building and and of course having a permanent church home is a part of the future of radiant church and we pray that happens sooner than it happens later but the building is not the end all because the building is is not for us these chairs are actually not for you this church doesn't exist for any of us. This church exists for those who are not here yet. This church exists to touch the people who have not encountered the cross. You are here merely as an ambassador for Jesus. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, that as, as though God is making his appeal through you. That's why you're a part of God's plan to reach this city not a church building. It's not on all a pastor that preaches on Sundays. No, it's all of us. God needs you to be him for them. And so next Sunday, even adding a service so that there is more room for people to come to church, to find freedom, to find faith, to believe, to worship. It's really not about us. Of course, you're going to have a great experience at Easter, but you'll have a much greater experience if you have a friend sitting next to you that's never been to church. This week, I encourage you to pray for opportunities to invite people. More than any Sunday of the year, I mean, this is statistically proven, people will say yes to an invitation to church on Easter than any other Sunday. So take advantage of that. Oh, I don't know, man, I, I think they're gonna say no. So what, what if they say yes? That family member, the, the person at the gas station that you see every other Thursday, that what, whoever it is that, that you run into or you work next to, 
that you love or that you know that you would just invite them and just see what God does and as we believe God for a building and maybe other buildings and dream about that know that that's not the end that that's not the goal <laughs> the goal is just making room for encounters making room for more people to be touched by Jesus and experience his love and his power and that's my prayer for everybody here is that you would receive you would believe and that you would worship but it's an even bigger prayer for those who aren't here that they would receive that they would believe and that they would worship in closing I just want to share a small story about a former Auburn linebacker he was a great football star several years ago at the Auburn University he played with some famous NFL players that made it into the NFL. He didn't quite make it. He got hurt. He was drafted, but got hurt, wasn't able to play. He couldn't keep up with the lifestyle of his best friends, so he, he decided that he would go into sidewalk pharmaceutical sales. Let's just call it that. <laughs> some of you will figure that out later. Uh, that resulted in four years in federal prison. A fellow inmate leads him to Jesus. He gets radically transformed. He's in prison physically, but he is free spiritually. It's complete freedom, even though he's living inside the federal prison. When he gets out of prison, they give him a probation. They put an ankle bracelet on him. They're like, you have to stay within three miles of your house. You can only leave your house one day a week. You have to stay uh, within three miles of your house on that day of the week I think they gave him two hours to leave the house he went back to his parents house in Birmingham radically saved and transformed wanted to be in a church wouldn't you know it that they live just a couple of miles away from Church of the Highlands and he came to church for his few hours out of church and uh, just just began a relationship with a local church just being a part of it and a guy named Rick met him on his first Sunday and Rick was super nice to him and and said, man, I'll see you next Sunday. And Mayo was like, yeah, that's, that's great, man. And, and he came back the next Sunday and Rick found him. And that Sunday, Rick's like, hey, Mayo, I'm about to start a, a freedom small group. Why don't you come be a part of my small group? And Mayo was like, no, man, I, I'm cool. I, I, don't, I, I, I can't make it. See, Mayo didn't want to tell him that he wouldn't be able to go to that small group. And Rick saw Mayo again the next Sunday. Man, I really want you in my small group. Please come to my small group. And, with shame, great shame, Mayo lifted up his pant leg. Didn't even explain it. Just showed him his ankle bracelet. He said, man, I can't. Sorry. And Rick's like, oh man, that's okay. What if we just bring our small group to your house? That's a great idea, but Mayo said, you know, my parents have turned from God. They left the church a long time ago. They said they'll never go back. They don't even like me coming to this church. They're afraid of this church. They think it's crazy but I'll ask him anyways. And of course, Mayo had nothing going on. So his parents were like, sure, let him have the small group here. And so the Freedom Small Group started in their house, had a ma major impact on Mayo, but the greatest impact was mom and dad were overhearing the small group. Mom and dad got curious. Mom and dad decided to visit the church. Mom and dad get radically on fire for Jesus, end up going through next steps, end up getting on the dream team. And now Mayo's dad serves every Sunday at one of our prisons where we have church every Sunday in, Birmingham, in, in Alabama. It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? 
Well, once Mayo was free to leave his house, Mayo decided to go to Highlands College, our evening program for working adults. He spent two years in our college, called the ministry, became a, a staff member, eventually became a pastor. And then last fall, he launched our West Birmingham campus in the worst area of the eighth most violent city in America. And he's now pastoring 600 people. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. There's mayos all around us. Whether they were ever in a real prison or not, they're in prison. They're hurting. They just need somebody to bring some freedom. Invite them to church. Invite them to Easter. And then see what God does. Mayo would be the most unlikely candidate to be a campus pastor at Church of the Highlands. And yet he's one of the most amazing men of God I've ever been around in my entire life. That's what Jesus can do. And that's what Jesus wants to do in each one of you. So I'll repeat our opening scripture again and then I'll pray for us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I pray for every person here. God, I pray that they would truly encounter you personally, that they would receive, believe, and worship. God, as I look toward next Sunday here at Radiant, I pray that every person here would prayerfully listen to your Holy Spirit throughout the week and invite people to church. God, even the ones that they're most embarrassed to ask or fearful that they would say no, God, would you give us the boldness to go ahead and give the invite anyways? God, I pray for miracles to take place, for people to come into a relationship with you, that you would use us to be your ambassadors, that we would do our part. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for a new life in you.